Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, today's a really extra special day for me because I'm sitting here with Sean Casey, who also happens to be one of our licensed barber instructors that we have here at Paul Mitchell School, Fort Myers, one of my schools that I own. And it's funny, Sean, because I stalked you, as you know, like crazy. My daughter kept saying, you got to go after him. If you hire Sean, your barber program that you open up in your school is going to take off. And I literally would not open this school until I got you working here. That's and awesome. I know. Yeah. So and here you are sitting Thank here you. and we're interviewing you for a podcast for so many reasons, Sean, not just because of the person that you are, but this is really about untold stories of leadership transformation. It's people have gone mm-hmm. through adversity and you sure have had your share of crazy, crazy adversity mm-hmm. over this past couple of years. And, and so I can't wait um, to share with everybody what you've, uh, what you've triumphed over. And uh, it's awesome because you have a son that just graduated from our school just very recently. Yeah, Sean, yeah. his name is Sean Jr. Absolutely. And I'm excited for him. And you have a daughter Thanks, that's six years old and she's so beautiful. Thank you. In five barbershops. You've been in the industry for 20 years. You own Sean Casey Academy. You're a part of the new Elements Tour, which we're going to talk about here shortly. Um, You have your own straight razor line. Uh, You're educator for Andis and Hattori Hanzo Shears. Uh, You're global educator for Andy. So I just think that's awesome. Everything that you do, they always say you should have like seven different streams of income. Where did you get your smarts from? Like, where did this all come from? Because you're one of the smartest businessmen I have ever met. Yeah, I just... It's really just my dedication. It was like hungry. I was hungry. I I didn't... I wasn't adaptive in school. I was a lot more of a creative in school. So I used to daydream in school. I used to... uh, (laughs) Literally, I remember one of my earliest memories was in third grade sleeping Mm -hmm. through a test in my mind. I was awoke, but I would daydream through the whole test. The bell rang just like a movie and test was over. And that's just how school was to me. My mind would drift to other things if it didn't really... If it wasn't something that I love, I just wasn't too interested. So mm-hmm. it, it comes. It, it's strange because when I was younger, I was removed out of my first elementary school because they diagnosed me with ADD, and the school says we don't handle kids with ADD. So I remember that conversation young, uh, first grade, sitting with my grandparents, and them saying, "Well, I'm sorry, we got to move the school." And I was crying. Why are we gonna? You know, I'm gonna lose my friends. And everything, and it, you know, wow. not till I was older, I, I understood it that that was the real reason. But it really played an impact on my mind. So, psychologically, was like I wasn't smart enough, and I felt like that carried mm. through elementary school to middle school, high school. I was really an underachiever in school, but it didn't mean that I wasn't smart. I just didn't find something that I love. Wow! And once I found something I loved. Mm-hmm. I took off and I just stayed in that lane and under that same lane of the hair industry, everything else umbrellaed. Everything started coming into place. I just started meeting people. Mm-hmm. I put myself out there and I never chased after things. Like you said for yourself, you you, you came looking for me because your daughter reached out for me because I focused on what I was great at and what I was passionate about and people like yourself and many others would come to me and offer me positions. Yeah. So I was never chasing after things. It was just follow my path you just always put your head down and just did the work and people would notice you know you led by example you didn't have to continue to chase people because you knew that you would just were just doing your thing Mm -hmm. you know i'm like just doing my thing and people Mm -hmm. just come along and and i think that's really huge but let's go back there because you said you were diagnosed with add whatever happened with that is that are you um, getting, are you taking? No, medicine? I never did. I think well, like my second grade, they put me yeah. on Ridland. Okay, it made me like a zombie. I didn't like yeah. it. I'd go home. I used to flinch <laughs> at everything. Somebody dropped a pencil, and I would jump out my seat like a scared cat. You know, yeah. I just it, it wasn't working. So they took it off me, and I just got. I, I remember those early years was just it, it was a little bit depressing for me to go to school. I just wasn't excited, other than friendship. 
Yeah. And I just used to draw a lot in school. That was my thing. I used to doodle. Yeah. So I just doodle on pens and papers and everything. So I always had a creative path. But I don't think people understood creativity. It yes. comes from a... Um, Agreed. Do everything from a structure. Mm-hmm. Go to school, then go to college, mm-hmm. then go get your, your job. And... Uh, I'm a pro, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a testimony that you don't necessarily have to do those things and and the same approach I teach with my children and and why my son is even graduating from school is that understanding is I'm I'm more proud of my son I mean that's one of the biggest accomplishments of my life is seeing my son graduate and not only that I mm-hmm. forced him to do this is he chose to do it yeah um, but yeah absolutely when when I'm when I was younger with ADD. I just always believe I never had it. So yeah. is one of those things. It's like I think mm-hmm. it's psycho- psychologically. So you're diagnosed inbred. with it, but you're like, I'm not taking the medicine. You just decided. Uh, stop doing you, it. What never did your parents it. say? They about used to it. hold it. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of parents. They hear something from the doctor, so yeah. you'd hear them in the, uh, you know, your door's closed in your bedroom, and well, he's got ADD, and it's believe yeah. it or not, it's the people that are <laughs> closest to you yeah. that sometimes say things that are hitting you the hardest and Very i would true. hear that and i'll say the power of words the power of words is yeah be careful amazing. Of the power like of it, could, it could really make you go yeah. right or left and mm-hmm. even when they were in closed room in my mind's like wow they don't believe in me and that played a ride started becoming shy i wouldn't mm-hmm. want to sit at, i would fail tests i wouldn't never get in front of a room and speak to to um my classmates if i had a uh, history subject and we had to get in front of a classroom and talk about our subject i would fail mm-hmm. i would turn beet red and i don't have it and i would yeah. just take the zero the incomplete now yeah. i speak to a thousand people on stage and you're doing a thousand different things and i'm <laughs> cracking up here because i feel like i if if i went to the doctor they'd probably diagnose with me with add yeah. too you know because sure. but add is good to us isn't it because <laughs> yeah, we can do multitask <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm all over the place. I think it it expands my thinking than just the norm. Like I do this. Well, what can I do with it? Expands your thinking. I love it. And I think it's an important message to hear. Uh, (laughs) Someone could be listening right now that maybe their child is diagnosed and Mm -hmm. maybe maybe get some other diagnoses. I I think it's so funny because I will get like three bids on an air conditioner from my company, but I don't go to three different doctors from my body. You know, like why don't Mm. you, you know, go to different doctors before you make that final decision before you stick a pill in your mouth, you know, and, right. and get addicted to it because Very that's true. like the biggest challenge that I see. And so you're a walking testimony. So what year that you decided that, man, I'm going to be a hairdresser. I'm going to be a barber. When did that happen? So it was such a funny story. So I, you know, when I was in high school, there was the barbershop. It wasn't like today there's barbershops everywhere. It was the barbershop. So before that, my grandmother used to take me to these salons and they would I have thick curly hair when I was younger believe it or not right so mm-hmm. they would take me and try all these styles and it wouldn't work it would just look like a big helmet on my head and then I got into high school and of course you know you want to impress girls and the buddies of mine are like no you got to go to this barbershop this is where we all go yeah. so you have to wait till Saturday and get there first come first serve uh, and it would be about three hours sometimes waiting to get a haircut. The guys would take their time. They would take their friends in before you, and you just sit there. But I used to be so fascinated mm-hmm. by watching these guys joke and laugh. And I used to love watching the haircut itself. I was attracted to the haircut. But I didn't know at that time that was the direction I wanted to go into. Of course, puberty hit me early, so I had a beard probably around 13, 14 years old. Little, no way. Not full like this, but... <laughs> Well, I you thought, have dark hair. I, yeah, yeah, I thought I had, mm-hmm. you know, but of course, maybe my junior, senior year started growing hair, and I was I was trimming up my own beard with a, a it's funny that I work with Andis, but my first uh, trimmer was a little um, tea outliner, beige color, and I used to do my beard every day, and it was always mm-hmm. different designs, or it was skinny, it was full, whatever, whatever the late 90s mm-hmm. was, and uh in senior year, my son, my girlfriend was pregnant. So I was working at Hertz Rent-A-Car. I was working at the movie theater pulling tickets. I was working a, a part-time at nighttime wow. working at Champs. I had all these multiple jobs for a little bit of money. Yeah. And I get a phone call that she's pregnant. He's born. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. What's my direction? I have a conversation with my father. 
And I wasn't raised. I was raised with my grandparents. But my father said, hey, so what are you doing? Like, what are you going to do with your life? What, your son's four months old. What, what is the plan? And the first thing that popped in my head is because I just did my beard. And I was like, well, I think I like barbering. Yeah. And he was like, well, if you like wow. barbering, um, I want you to come move with me. Mm-hmm. The, I feel the best schools are uh, at the time. I feel the best schools are in New York City, and I want you to go to a school in New York. I also think he wanted to pull me from the environment that I was living in because I was surrounding myself with other people that were motivated and, and, and doing positive things. So I think he just wanted to finally pull me away from everything. Mm-hmm. And I went to school. and This was in New York. This was in yeah. New York. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just, that's mm-hmm. how the journey began. Yeah. It was never like... That's amazing. I love that. So let's back up a second because, so you get your girlfriend pregnant while you're in high school. Okay. And I think it's so awesome that she kept the baby and and Sean, he graduated from our school. Right. Uh, And so that's just so beautiful of a story. Talk about that a little bit because talk about the person that's struggling and, and feeling that shame of being pregnant before marriage or in high school. But look at what you created. Your son is incredible incredible young man so kind-hearted he's my inspiration everything you ever hear me speak about even the mural on Mm. my first barbershop wall is a picture is an anime picture of me and him attacking like Mm. hair monsters with a big giant clipper so he's always part of my story but truthfully i was scared i was terrified did i i would i would lie to you if i said i wanted the baby like if if it was up yeah. to me i would have taken the uh, the the choice of like i'm too young yeah um which most people do yeah i was terrified yeah. we're talking mm-hmm. in 1998 i'm not even uh, uh finished his school it might have been 97 mm-hmm. turning into 98 i wasn't even done with school and she's very family oriented her whole family and i remember, i get this phone call i'm working at hertz and she calls me and says i'm pregnant and i'm like I pause and so what are we going to do? I'm going to keep it. Mm-hmm. Did you tell your parents yet? Yes. They want you to come over. Did they tell my grandparents? Yes. So I walked off my job. I actually clocked out and left <laughs> and I took the slowest drive yeah. to her family's house. And this was like a scene of a movie. There was one chair that I sat in and across from me was 10 chairs her mother, her grandmother, her aunt, her uncle. Stop. I look, at, I look at my life almost like Mr. Magoo. You know, you're blind, you walk a straight line, but whenever there's trouble, whether you're going, if you're about to fall off a cliff, there's a bird that just <laughs> yeah. beneath you and it flies you to the other side of the land. And uh-huh. if a, if a car is coming, it just comes right before you because you're picking up a dollar. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. So I didn't really have a plan. I was just going through the motions, but I was finding out that I was passionate about what I was doing. So I was in barber school and I loved it. And all of a sudden it started breaking the ice and I wasn't as shy anymore. And I wasn't thinking of all the, the negative things teachers used to say to me. And, and you know, I, I had a teacher to this day. At, there was a time that my grandparents had a meeting with the school because I was having pretty much i had all f's and they had i had sat with was the this teacher. high school this was sixth grade oh sixth grade okay sixth grade. all f's okay yeah so mm-hmm. it's my maybe sixth seventh grade mm-hmm. and um they had a teacher with the, the school it was a new school i went to and they said well maybe he's just not uninspired he, maybe he needs to get into heart maybe he's not inspired maybe he's got to get into um more challenging classes so i go to this class and the teacher in front of the whole class says, what are you doing here? Wow. Do you know your grades? You're not smart enough to be here. In front here. of everybody. In front of everybody. Wow. Can we call this teacher up and tell I him wish what I you're doing? I, <laughs> I, I wish I knew her name. I wish I knew her name. Okay. Like, I, I would, wow. Oh, man. So I'm pretty. failure is your friend. Yeah. Truly. Failure is your Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. And just watching that, the apps became your friend because you became an incredible business owner. And I hear <laughs> this so often of people that did so bad in school, but are business owners now. Yeah. They're entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're hiring everybody with the A's. <laughs> right. Right. And I come with understanding. It's all the things that was shot at me and said to me is how I directed towards my children. It's how I directed to, to, to my team that works with my shops and, mm. and how I work around people I network with. It's just I, I, I listen and I understand and and 
Yeah, you and breathe, look for the best for people. You breathe life into them, and uh, and so and I love that because so you learned your lesson of what got spoken over you, and you said I'm not going to do that over people. So yeah. so I think that's incredible because obviously <laughs> the only way to build your company is through people, the efforts of people. So mm-hmm. talk about your business, like what has been some of your greatest. Um, uh, the best things that you've done in your business and what are some of your failures that you've done? Oh, you know, the, one of the best things I just went for. It. So mm-hmm. when, when I moved here to, to New York, I was just cutting behind the barber chair. Uh, then I thought I wanted to be a music producer and, and everything no else. Yeah. So I worked wow. with a, a record label. In, you hear uh, that a lot with barbers actually mm-hmm. in the music. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I loved it. I love music. Mm-hmm. It's one of my second hobbies. And, um, I worked with a label. And I thought it was going to be the next Pharrell Williams. You know, I thought it was going to be this great music producer. Yeah. But reality kicked in and I, I knew that, hey, you know, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the lessons I learned and the jewels that I took from it, I worked with this company as an intern for years. I didn't get paid at all. I used to carry cameras, hold cameras, help set up, clean up um, these the shows. But I was invited to every little nightlife event, every show. I used to be on the corner of uh, 42nd Street advertising this um, uh, back at the time, Alicia Keys, when she first started. Oh, my gosh. She's going to be at BB King's hosting mm-hmm. this, this event and, and handing out flyers to everybody walking around, breaking out of that ice. And when I went to move and said, hey, this is not working for me. I, I got to start my life over. I'm going to get closer to my son, move to Florida, get my own shop. And I'm like, man, I wasted years of my life. I did it because it all came back. All that promotion and hard work and standing out on the street and holding cameras and not feeling entitled and, and doing the things that a lot of people don't want to do because they're like, everyone wants money first. I was doing things and learning and mm-hmm. creating an opportunity and creating a network. I took that and applied it towards opening up my first shop. So I knew the good, the, the bad and good of, of shops. I, I know what it's like to work in a barbershop where there's just mirrors in the wall. There's music with a lot of curse words on. There's the conversation in the shop is n- not welcoming for families. I've been right. through all those stages. And I've also been to barbershops I didn't work at, but as a kid going to those barbershops that are a franchise, that they don't accept any of that. So my goal was I would like something that's in between the two. I like a hybrid. Mm-hmm. I would like the the cultural a- aspect of a neighborhood barbershop, but but keep it professional like a franchise shop would do. Yeah. And then I came with the idea Smart. of doing Twin Cuts. I created an open mic that was very successful here in Fort Myers. Mm. So I started with 25 people, then it grew into like 300 to 500 people on weekly nights. And then they started doing night uh, weekly events downtown. So when I went up in my barbershop, everybody knew the name Twin Cuts ENT, the promotion. So I transitioned the the name Twin Cuts from the promotion Got name it. onto a Smart. billboard on a barbershop because okay. it clicked. And yeah. a lot of people in the nightlife, they would be, hey, twin, hey, twin. So oh, wow. twin cuts hair, twin cuts. Yeah. And well, you were networking already with people, and that they became probably your clients, right? And your chair yeah, too. Well, so you're like, well, hey, man. Combination of first, <laughs> but it started the opposite way. It was like, okay, I'm, I don't have a lot of clients, but mm-hmm. there's a void in, in this area. I'm, I'm cutting a lot of the uh, um, DJs that are looking for work. I'm cutting mm-hmm. a lot of, I'm hearing all these kids like rapping in the barbershop or singing or doing poetry, doing comedy. Yeah. And I, the guys sitting in my chair, I, I, I went to a, a local uh, venue out here and I put together an event and guys that were sitting in my chair, when I cut them, then I would invite them to my uh, open mic. So not I'm only making at that time 15 bucks for the haircut, but then I can charge you $5 at the end of the week at the door. Yeah. And I was doubling up on my money that way. I love that. And I was connecting everybody knew me and then they were all excited and it was mm-hmm. just building life in the city. And I, I, it was, it was good time. Those were like probably like 2007 and it was great. Like we had poetry and comedy and, and music acts and it was just yeah great and transitioned that brand into what really was my my passion was saving all that money from cutting behind a chair, making monies from promotion, saving my money, and buying my first shop with no loans. Right. And didn't so have a business cash. plan. Yeah. Wow. Didn't have a business plan. Mm-hmm. I just had an idea. Okay, I'm making this much money a week. How much is this? Let me put some chairs together. Let me do my own thing. And I just jumped into it. 
Yeah. And the first month I thought I was like, oh man, I'm going out of business because <laughs> the everybody was higher than the income. <laughs> okay, so this is my first mistake to go back to it. How much is this month? Fifteen hundred. Perfect. Do the math in my head. I don't know what CAM is. I don't know what right. everything else mm-hmm. leading up. So let's just forget the utilities and lights and insurance. I get my first bill. And my cam is six hundred dollars over, so it's now fifteen is twenty twenty one hundred dollars. Wow! And I call him up and said, "Why is it twenty hundred? We discussed uh, fifteen hundred. Yeah. Said, "No, your cam is not included with the fifteen hundred. You have to pay." Yeah, over and above. Above. Yeah, normally. So, <laughs> lesson number one of business owning, right? Yes. Cam central area maintenance, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. <laughs> You have to pay for the maintenance. The landlord usually charges you maintenance fees. Yes. <laughs> to maintain the areas. That was the mm-hmm. one. So that put me, put me, um, made me nervous. But the one thing I had was the belief of myself. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, get your shop," but nobody followed with me. Then they're, "Oh, he's he's crazy. We're in recession. We're in 2010. He's not going to do it." And, uh, That's when you opened your first one. Yeah, 2010. Okay. 2010. Okay. And um, everybody would say to me, I would hear it, it's a small town, oh, he's, he's going to go out of business, oh, he's f- foolish, how is he going to open up at this time? I believed in myself, like, yeah. I was like, you don't cut with my hands, it's not, it, I, if I got to stay 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. just to keep it open, you'll make it that's work. my job, I got to make yeah. it work, and I did do that yeah. at the beginning, and I was working for maybe the first two months, me... And one other guy, he actually still works with me at the shop mm-hmm. today. And I've seen a lot of barbers coming in and out. But working in and mm-hmm. saying to myself, like, oh, my God, if I don't if I don't see something in the next month, I'm going to go out of business. And then, like, magic. It turned around. And then the next <laughs> and barber really came magic, in. Because you were working. You because were Because I was working. So they yes. saw the name. People wanted to see yes. it could get past the bump. Yeah. I was getting people in. My marketing was was crazy at the time. I was using MySpace in 2010. This was before the Facebook. It was before Facebook um, kicked off like that. Maybe maybe it was around, but it wasn't the way people were using it. And people on MySpace were just talking about family. I was one of the first that was showing flyers. Oh, wow. So you were advertising marketing on MySpace. I was marketing. Wow. Yeah. Very smart. So yeah. I was one of the first, and then everybody was, you know, mm-hmm. reposting it. And then, of course, at the early stages, I still was doing the nightclub before I phased out of it. So a lot of people that wanted to get into the club for free, yeah, they would post my shop and my business. So word nice. would get out there. And little by little, the next barber would come in. And mm-hmm. then the next barber came in. And then maybe about six months into business, I had a full full shop. I love it. So you got creative. Mm-hmm. You're always thinking ahead. Always yeah. thinking ahead. You're just like when you're a young boy, mm-hmm. is always daydreaming and, you know, mm-hmm. ADD's been good to you. Yeah. And then people speaking bad <laughs> into your life, Sean. Um, and then later as a business owner, that's all you get. People, There's always haters. Haters, right. haters yeah. are going to hate, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So, but you're used to that from a young boy, yes. right? You got desensitized mm-hmm. to that. So I think that's an untold story of leadership transformation right there, you know, instead Absolutely. of like, just bowing down to it and living the rest of your life with your head down you put your head up yeah. and became the person you are and so talk to the future uh, barbers <clears throat> of this world and the future barber shop owners what advice do you want to give them I say just start from square one sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy especially now in today's generation without sounding too ancient but it's easy to get on social media, look at the success of so many people, and then try to inspire to achieve their success without really knowing their story. Everybody's going to show you their side of the story, which is usually good on social media, but you're not (laughs) going to see the tough parts. I tell everybody, I got my license in 1999. I didn't get my first shot till 2010. There's a long space Mm. in between that I messed up haircuts had to leave the neighborhood in New York because I was so terrible as a barber that I had to, the way New Yorkers is set in blocks. I had to move from that block because nobody would see me because I wasn't good. And t- digesting that and not letting it defeat me, but how can I learn from that? Mm-hmm. Watching the, the other barbers that were um, had more experience and saying, I like how he does that blend. 
I like how Sharpie makes that hairline. I like how he does that technique with that scissor and start taking risk and trying that and adapting my own skill set. And of course, when I first tried it, it cut through my finger many times or I'd leave a heavy line or I'd patch a little bit here and yeah. overcoming that and having people walk up and I'm not going to pay you for this haircut. I don't think people get that and yeah. they've run away from that. And if you can take that and learn from it, mm. it will develop you into that next stage. Oh, that's, that's powerful. I, I believe, I believe the series is called be tough. Okay. Because that's what you are, Sean, as you've been really tough through this process. And, and I can recall 20 years of business ownership, like just how tough I've had to become. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's why a lot of times you'll see a lot of more men are actually more successful in this industry because women have been able to brought up to believe like you don't have to be tough. Like you can cry and you can quit. And, uh, but you've never, like you said, I'm not quitting. I'm going to mm -hmm. continue to really be tough through this and, and your whole life has shown that and so you're right you have to look and say what are some of like the hardest things of business ownership that you want to tell future business owners right now so salons or barbershops like what's some of the toughest things that you've gone through that you would love to tell them i mean the hiring process getting the right team mm -hmm. the atmosphere is very important my experiences as a, as a barber uh, cutting in New York barbershops to working mm -hmm. in a barbershop here in Fort Myers, um, the atmosphere, how easily it is to turn people off that the, the, all it takes is one person to talk negative about your business and your brand, then the person you do something great with. I can do a great haircut and give them a great experience and they go home because it's expected and they're just happy. Yeah. And if somebody asks them, hey, where do you go? Then they're ex they speak in excitement about you. But... Do something that turns somebody off. Even if they don't even get a chance to sit in your barber chair, your salon chair, if the, uh, if the lobby's not clean, if the greeting is not correct at the beginning, if, the, mm -hmm. if it's not welcoming, and yeah. especially if you give them a bad haircut, if you're not paying attention to your client and giving them your undivided attention, and they're walking out unsatisfied, they go into their car, they call their wife, their girlfriend, they complain about you. They sit at the table, they talk about you some more. They go see their friends at work, they complain yeah. about you some more. So that spreads a lot more. So, yeah. you know, I think the first thing you have to do is create that structure for yourself and believe in it. Um, yeah, follow through with it. Yeah. It's so true. I, I agree. And, and you know, I'm, I'm talking to that hairdresser right now that just absolutely loves doing hair, but doesn't really understand business because you're talking about all the business aspects. Like you have to have like... 10 eyes on your head because you're cutting someone's hair, but you're also paying attention to what's going mm -hmm. on around you. You're like, wait, they're not talking right. Like, like we've got to, we have to shift and change this. And I remember when my daughter got pregnant and uh, the doctor said, you have to get off your feet. And I said, Brianna, this is the best thing that's ever going to happen to you because now you're not going to just be working um, in your business. Now you're going to be working on your business and you can actually look and see what are you missing? And that's what she found. Like, what are you missing? And so I feel like you have to wear all these different hats, you know. And so you've been wearing these hats mm -hmm. that just, like, come natural for you. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't come natural for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know. And so a lot of business owners get out of the business after two years because, one, they're not tough enough, right? Right. And so what else do you think that they need to be tough about? Like, what are some other... Well, yeah, I, I think your structure, I, I'm, I'm, I'll go back even into the atmosphere and, and creating a shop. Yes, imagine I own five shops now. So I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. sitting in that first chair watching everybody and trying to conduct the, the atmosphere. And then when you step away from it, can they still yes. follow the structure? Right. So the early stages, I used to be offended sometimes. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm putting all this in and I don't see them giving, giving yeah. it back. Like they don't care. Why are they not meeting me halfway? Okay. And being feeling like insulted, but then realizing through, through time, don't let that bother you. Do what's best for your business. And the people that are going to work with you are going to, are, are going to step up to the plate. The people that are not doing it, not, it might not necessarily be because they have anything ill towards you or being malicious. Maybe you have to understand them better. Mm. And once I started understanding the, my, my team and what their strengths are, I can take this barber. He might, necess might necessarily be the person that should be in the front chair 
speaking to guests as they're coming in and say, yes, we have an open uh, chair here and we'll be with you in a minute. In a minute, he might be a great creative that goes back to when I was child, me understanding him like a teacher. I would have wanted a teacher to understand who I was when I was a kid. Yeah. And even recently, I would say in the last year, one one of my barbers, I used to feel a little upset. Like, why, why does he never do anything? Why is he not? He just comes to work. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I realize he's very creative. And when I started speaking to him about marketing ideas, because he's one of my younger barbers, T-shirt mm. designs, promotions for, for um, cupware and ideas mm. with, the, with the college events and stuff, he lights up and he talks to me about all these brilliant ideas. Wow. So it was... Yeah. From everybody needs to do it my way in this structure to these four know what I'm doing with my structure. These few guys are creative. Get them involved with some ideas. Hey, what do you think about this logo? How do you like these colors on this T-shirt? What if we take this? And then they get more inspired. They start promoting more. They Mm -hmm. feel good. They start showing their work more. Yeah. So that was very difficult. One of the difficult things of being an owner to understand people individually and trying to bring the best mm. out of them to create that unit. Whoa! To that's make something powerful. successful. So we're talking about how to be tough, and I, I hear, heard number one was be unoffended, and so let's back up to being unoffended because that is the number one reason I believe that most business owners get out of the business because they're really strong people pleasers, mm-hmm. and they realize whoa to be in business it's really not about people pleasing it's about the business so but at the same time you're kind of a people pleaser by number two which was being understanding of your team strengths which Mm -hmm. I think is so powerful because now you made them a part of the solution to be tough but let's back up for a second to number one being unoffended what kind of things do you do to stay in that tough mindset to not be offended by your team like I know you've lost people I've had salon walkouts and I've had Mm -hmm. people leave and just recently a couple people just left and and I just had to sit back and say no it's not about you Tina it, it's about them like just let it go be unoffended How, what else do you do yeah, to get yourself through that uh, yeah it, it's tough I mean that's a, a year one year two year three of uh, of what are we we nine and a half years in business the first five years maybe you know when somebody left me, it hurt me. Like, yeah. you, you it's left. It's painful. It's you like know, losing like, a family member. Yeah, like mm-hmm. losing a family member, losing mm-hmm. a friend. Yeah. Well, why? I don't understand. What's the problem? What, mm-hmm. what am I doing wrong? Why are you not speaking to me? Mm-hmm. But realizing everybody has something going on. And the best yes. thing that I can do is not making it about me. Yes. Stick to what I did when I first started before I knew anybody. And all my my vision was... I just want to open up a barbershop and take it. My barber said this to me the other day. One of my, he, and he's one, I've known him for a while from before owning a shop. And he says, you might have to go back to the basics. And it, 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 it stuck with me. It was, that's how you mm-hmm. approach it. What did I do before I knew everybody? What did I do before I knew all the, bar, before I had all these barbershops is I did myself. I did me. I, I followed through on my plan. I, stayed in my lane and I created success keep doing that and people that want to join it let them be a part of it bring them in make them feel strong the ones that don't and have other situations let them move on but that person's not going to crush your business because that person wasn't there at the very early stages when nobody was around me and I was able to get back past to the next level because when he leaves it may hurt but it opens the door for the next person to come in and mm-hmm. you may approach it a little bit differently because you might think, hey, what did I do for this person to leave? And you might have to reevaluate your thinking and approach it for the next person coming yes. in and build him up for success in a different way that you might have right. missed out on the opportunity with the person before. Oh, yeah. So just learning from your mistakes. <laughs> and I, I love that. Make failure your friend. And so I heard number three to be tough is to be attractive because who you are is who you'll attract. So mm-hmm. continue to stay in your lane, work on you, grow you, right. continue to invest in yourself and stay true to what your structure is. And it's so funny. I just took a picture of a condo unit in Marco um, Island that was hit by a hurricane. Mm. And it's been 
of what a couple years right and so the foundation still isn't rebuilt yet and it reminds me of a business because I feel if your foundation isn't strong and that's what happened to this condo unit it got hit and it crumbled and they probably could have just taken the whole thing down you know it's just like a business a lot of business will close at that point mm -hmm. but now they have to spend the next couple of years rebuilding this foundation same as a business you know so sometimes you got to go back and say I I've got to rebuild my structure. I got to rebuild my culture. I got to get back to what I got into this business the first place. And that's what you did. And so really building that attractiveness. And so you've had some uh, really quite a few struggles happen to you in this past couple of years. Uh, talk about that journey with getting cancer and what's been going on with that. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, expect unexpected. Yeah. You know, like when things was going great, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm with Andis now. My, I got at the time I got four shops, and my four shops are, are are fairly built up. All of them. Maybe the fourth one was fairly new, and I was building this up. Um, I'm getting more gigs than I ever did before with Andis. Uh, Tori Hanzo's giving me a lot of gigs. The start of 2018, I'm on a roll from January till. March. Wow. I'm booked every single weekend. Wow. Things are looking great. And I'm in the gym and I'm exercising. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, we, we all we get deeper. Of course, there's a, it's a roller coaster with business. It wasn't all high. But from my life, mm -hmm. I couldn't complain. Children are happy. Work is going good. Traveling. I'm following my dreams. And I'm going to the gym and I touch my neck and I feel this little lump on my neck. Okay. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what's that? What is this? Mm -hmm. And just like that, 20, uh, well, I did actually did that in January. I touched my neck, but I, I was like, oh, I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, I was speaking to you earlier about how I'm raised by my grandparents that I had to really be sick to see a doctor. So yeah. I'm just like, well, it'll go away. And I'm reading things on, on uh, Google. Rule number one, don't read anything on Google. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am dead right now. Do not. Yes. <laughs> I'm dead if I read everything yes. that I needed to read. So I, I go on Google and I'm looking at things mm -hmm. and I'm speaking to some people and they're like, well, maybe it's your diet. Or, well, oh, I have swollen lymph nodes. They go away in a couple of weeks. Well, they didn't go away. And then I speak to my grandfather. I said, hey, you know what? This is, is something weird's on my neck and I have another one that, that mm -hmm. built up. And he says, I want you to see my practitioner. And I go to see my practitioner and she's my age young lady felt very comfortable with her because a lot of times I'm not I grew up where I wasn't comfortable going to the doctor so it was nervous for me so I sit feel very comfortable she touches my neck and the expression on her face changed mm. steps back says I want you to get on these antibiotics I want you to take an x-ray and do some blood work and see you in a in a couple a couple of weeks I want you here's my personal number I get off at 6. I work three days a week at this office. If I'm fully booked, you still come in, I'll, I'll take you. That moment in my mind, I said, something is yeah. serious. Right. And just like a domino effect, it went from test after test to being diagnosed with stage 3 uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a uh, blood cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the workaholic that I was... And the schedule, like I was a robot, you know, my day off, bang, uh, errands, Tuesday, Wednesday, working here at the school, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, cut, cutting behind a chair, mm -hmm. cutting behind a chair, um, mm -hmm. Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday, Monday, traveling, not to mention raising my children. So my schedule was yeah. filled to I now. I know, I like, was watching you on social media, and, and I'm like, what's going on with Sean? He's still working. <laughs> I've never met anybody like you. You are definitely the <clears throat> toughest person that I've ever met. Oh, and, and that's so crazy because, so we, we talked about be unoffended to be tough, be understanding of your team's strengths, be attractive, be expecting the unexpected. Yeah. So here you are. And now what was, um, what was the series of treatments like for you? Talk so it was, it, it was, it was six, six forms of chemo. It was, it was, uh, six treatments, chemo every three weeks, very harsh and aggressive, uh, right. because it was at stage three approaching stage four. I was having the lymph nodes starting to go into my head, which means it would have been going into my brain. Okay. So if I didn't really feel it under my neck, um, 
who knows? I would have mm-hmm. caught it too late because they took the biopsy all the way from my groin. So it was all throughout my body. And I had him all wow. swollen underneath. I remember leaving Las Vegas to show, waiting. So, so in January, I knew something was going on, but I didn't speak to anybody. I won an award for uh, a face award with Gulf Shore Business for Small Business of the Year. I cut um, the Boston Red Sox. They gave me jerseys, hang them up. I cut Les Brown's hair, and I didn't tell anybody. And then the next day, I post a picture of me in the hospital saying I get cancer. So I wanted to be transparent about it because no matter what you got going on in your life, there's still always good opportunities. Yeah. So it was scary, but I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest with you, I think being a business owner and what we were talking about, expect the unexpected, even within business, when your AC breaks out of no for no reason, when everything is going good or Oh, now you got to pay three thousand dollars for an AC, right? Or this person happens to quit. I've I've gone through everything that was challenging for me. So what I took when I got cancer was yeah. I can't do anything about yesterday. You know how yeah. many people in my family and friends? How do you think you got it? Where did it come from? <laughs> I don't know. But all yeah. I know is what I have to do. Yes. Be solution oriented. That's it. What yes. do I have to do today? Yes. See the doctor today. Mm-hmm. Follow up on the follow up. Take this medication all the way up to my first chemo treatment. And I remember even then, calm. Um, I remember my daughter's mother saying to me, saying, you're getting surgery. Are you on medication? She says, I said, no. She said, why are you so calm? Because I don't put the fear in my head. Yeah. I don't clog my thoughts with the negative thoughts. I say, hey, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And they do yeah. it a million times. It's a lot of success to a lot of these stories as far as surgery and everything else. Just go with the flow. Do it. You have no other options. I can't take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. All I can do is focus today and take a step forward for mm-hmm. tomorrow. So I get, I go in there. I remember actually sitting in the chemo um, chair. They they put the IV into my collarbone and the process starts. And that was the first time my eyes started to really water. And because I look around and I look around all these people with cancer, and I don't I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. And isn't that so odd that they put you like they line you up like you're in a pedicure area? That's exactly how and they it is. Line you up. I went with my friend several <clears throat> times with her, and I was just so shocked. And uh, everybody seemed so solemn and sad. And and I remember the one day that she um, went, she wrote love notes to every single person that was there. And I went from one person to the next with her. And we, like, prayed for every single person. And then she grabs her her pole and she starts pole dancing (laughs) with her chemo pole. (laughs) She's like, you got to do something to keep it lively in here because it was like everybody was halfway dead. You know, and uh, literally. And so talk through that process. What was that like for you? So I'll never forget the taste. I'll never forget. There's certain things. I like horror movies. American Horror Story had a season three where they were snapping fingers backwards, taking out spleens, all this disgusting stuff I can watch. But one of the witches had a scene where she sits in chemo. I had to get up and use the bathroom. I couldn't handle it because I could taste and smell everything wow. from the office. So, yes, it was it was a mental toughness when I was actually in the chemo office going through um, my treatments. My, after my first one, I remember going through it, going home. Mm-hmm. I did a video. I was like, you know what? One down. Yeah. Five more to go. Feeling pretty yeah. good. And then day four hit, and it just was like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. something's draining me day five day six day seven day eight and then kind of got back up then the second treatment hit and it just started getting a little bit worse and worse each one was escalating till it really got tough but after my first treatment i lost my beard i was losing everything so yeah i remember that. i was mm-hmm. always had a beard since i was in high school i mean mm-hmm. and it got fuller when i was in my 20s but that was my thing i, I it, whether it was shorter longer i always had facial hair so for me to excuse for me to lose that mm. was tough because now i have to visually see myself right my son walks in the door and i literally had my beard on that morning i take a shower i wash my face and my beard falls off like a Chris, uh, like a old dried up christmas tree Wow. And it just comes off wow. flat. Yeah. So I have to cut mm-hmm. it. He walks in. It was the first time my son looks at me and I see his di- uh, pupils dilate. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to show that emotion. And he hugs me. And I go to the bathroom, even now saying it. It's like I, I, I picture it. Yeah. And I go to the bathroom and I, and I uh, 
I was like, I had to cry a little bit. I said, man, that was tough. My son saw his superhero average yeah. for the first time. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's a little bit like me and he's got a good spirit. And he walks in and goes, hey, dad, at least you look rich now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all bald people with bald faces look rich too. Yeah. Oh, so, it's so cute. So that's what it was. And oh. then like, like anything, you know, I had to come to school the next day. Yeah. And I come in with no beard. Mm-hmm. And of course, now I'm going to be the center of attention. Right. And, and then right. I had to do a show. I still traveled. And I went, um, it was funny. I'm negotiating with the doctor. Okay, yeah. Um, my chemo treatment is this week. Is it possible I'm going to London this week? Can we move it to the next Monday? Oh, oh, in Vegas, I got this weekend. Mm-hmm. They were looking at me like, wow, who is this guy? Here I'm yeah. negotiating my treatments. And uh, getting wow. on stage... And to get past that was another challenge. Like, once I realized, like, people that don't know you, this is how they see you. Yeah. So my personality even got better, I believe. Wow. Because we're so accustomed to our look at times. Yeah. Especially, I think, more men than women. Because women like to change their color and their hair. But when a guy finds their look. Yeah. That's his thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been cut guys for 10 years. Got the same haircut. That's That's his thing. Yeah. So... Me to get out of that and still people being friendly and, and picking up on my vibes and talking. And I said, wow, it's more than just a, a, a vanity thing. It's more than a visual thing. It's really about what's inside of you that people are going to take to you. And then I didn't walk around like I was the victim. I would just, I would speak. And then they would talk to me and then they'd find out what was going on with me. And Wow. Wow. <clears throat> with crisis does come opportunity. And, and I think that's just so solid what you said, Sean, because talk to the people right now that are struggling with family members going through cancer and cancer treatments. And I remember my friend April that I was talking about, she said, um, I, I said, I think you need to write a book to families um, that, you know, that have cancer and how to respond to your friend that gets cancer. Like, what do you wish that people would have done more of, less of, stop doing, start doing when you went through this process? Yeah, my parents, not my, uh, my family, my grandparents, my father, my aunts and uncles. I remember getting on the phone with my dad and said, Leo, they need to stop. Everybody needs to stop. I don't, mm-hmm. I, 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 so much advice and calling and where, and, and I, advice. Under, don't I, give advice. I, I, <laughs> yes, I, uh, good. that's good advice. <laughs> I understood they were coming from love, but mm-hmm. I was in a process. My mindset was in a process of healing and future. And, and just like how I said, ADD, I believed I didn't have cancer. Like yeah. I knew I had cancer, but it was like, it's going to be done. Let me just get through the treatments and I'm going to get yeah. back to work. My goal was yeah. when this is over. I'm getting back on my routine because this stinks. I worked all the way through chemo, but I didn't work three days a week. I mean, I went down to one day of school. I went to maybe two days at cutting behind a chair. I, I did uh, a few gigs traveling. I wasn't going so hard, but I had to get up. No, rest. Oh, you're working too hard. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, is he doing this? Everybody kept telling them, you that you were doing too much, right? Too much. Don't say that to someone. Yes. <laughs> you know, and oh, right. Make sure you're doing this. I said no. There was one day I stayed home. Mm-hmm. My son was at school. My daughter's away. Her mother's at work, and I'm alone. And I decide I'm going to take off from work. I was so depressed at home. Yeah. And all the thoughts were coming in my head about cancer. Yeah. I went to my grandmother, who lived. Uh, uh, maybe five, ten minutes away. And she comes and she looks at me and it was the first time I cried in front of somebody and she puts her, well, she put her hand on me and then I cried and she goes, you're hurting. And I was like, yeah, I'm hurting. She says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she's rubbing my back. And that moment I said, I'm not listening to anybody. Mm -hmm. I am going to work and I'm doing what I need to do because that drug depresses you. Yes. And one of my Good clients who's been sitting me with me for years. After my third, maybe my fourth treatment, going to my fifth, he says, well, which cancer do you have again? And I said, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He said, when, did, when were you diagnosed? I said, I started my treatments in April. I was pre-diagnosed in February, officially in March. He says, my best friend was diagnosed the same week you were with the same exact cancer. Mm-hmm. He died a week ago. Wow. He said he's not like you. He gave yeah. up. He's, he said 
you you kept going to work you kept staying positive you kept moving you changed your diet you started speaking positive uh, online about um ideas to keep your mind strong about eating right he said when he heard about it it just crushed him he fell back he didn't do anything he just laid around didn't do anything and he let it kill him wow wow okay so this is i'm hearing to be tough Number one, be unoffended. Number two, be understanding. Number three, be attractive. Number four, be expecting the unexpected. Number five, be solution-oriented. Number six, be busy. And I just read this fortune cookie, which is hilarious, and I put it up in my kitchen, and it said, rest is good, but boredom is its brother. And the reason why that hit home with me and just talking to you, and I think, right after boredom comes depression too and the depression is what really kills you and what kills you in any I don't care what business you're in it'll mm -hmm. kill you no matter what you know when you're depressed but I think that comes from not being busy and staying busy is what has really made you to help be tough so where did this come from what's that un told story of leadership transformation. I know um, we talked about the ADD. What else happened in your life, Sean, that caused you to be this tough? Because you're not normal. You're, you're definitely <laughs> uncommon. <laughs> My next book is called Be Uncommon. And you're that uncommon person that I'm, I'm writing about. Where, does, where else does this come from? You know, the, the the next person I think about being very strong has to be my grandmother. Hmm. You know, she was an immigrant from Libya that moved to this country. Her first husband was very wow. abusive. She okay. came to New York with uh, with my mother and, and her sister. My mother passed away when I was nine months old from um, uh, heroin at the time, being a, a, a a model in New York City and that was just kind of the party drug back then and getting involved with that stuff and my grandmother just having those challenges one after another abusive husband daughter passing away she just has so many things that always seem to hit her in her life and mm -hmm. always staying strong through that and constantly keep going and it wasn't really till just recently that I thought about that because I've heard people mm. say, well, how do you do that? And it's like, yeah. somebody compared that to me. They're like, you get your strength from your grandmother. And it's yeah. true. It's just, I don't know where it really comes, but I just, I like my back against the wall. I yeah. like it. Like, I think it always brought the best out of me. Make me the underdog. Once you doubt me, I'm going to prove you wrong. We've all had a story. Some people say, man, your story's amazing. Listen, there's a kid right now in a hospital bed who's 13 years old who's never even walked because he's been diagnosed with, with a, a cancer or maybe has HIV from birth or, uh, you know, or has a disability. He can't even experience the things that I experienced. I've, I've been paid to go to New Orleans and Vegas and London and Toronto and New York and L.A. and all these amazing places. I love New Orleans. I love the... The, the music and the culture. And there's a kid in a hospital bed today who might love jazz music and his dream would go to walk Bourbon Street and would give his best day for my worst day just to walk down the street of, of mm -hmm. Bourbon Street. And to know that there's always somebody worse than your yes. situation. Mm -hmm. It may sound cliche, it may sound a little mm -hmm. cheesy, and we may not always think about that, but it does help when you're in a dark place and you're looking at, hey, why me? Or why does this happen? Or life sucks. If you yeah. take a moment to just observe the other things that are provided, the given things, the stuff that God blesses us with, on a daily basis and understand and absorb that that's it helps you it helps you look at other things in life and 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 push towards the things that you really want to do and if you have an idea and if you have a goal like my goal was here and i and, and the students that are in that might be questioning do i drop out of school or what do what i need to do what what did you do when you first started school what what, what was the reason why yeah and go back to that place and yeah. target that don't worry about maybe your parents are not in a great place. Maybe they're arguing in front of you all the time. Or maybe the kids, the classmates in, that are, you're going to school with, they're in a different place. Or they're getting some issues at home that are causing them to reflect a bad image or, or uh, a negative image. And you're surrounding yourself with that ideology. And to say, hey, you know what? What do I like to do? Sometimes you have to be selfish. You have to do what feels good for you. And if you loved what you do, starting here, when you see the distractions, you might have to take a step back, 
understand what made you love what you do, why you started doing it, and then restart that again and go into school mm-hmm. with that expectation. Like, this is only 10 months. I'm never going to see these people again if I choose not to. Right. I have the option once I get this license, mm-hmm. I can stay here. Hey, you know what? I want to be a risk taker. I want to be a traveler. Let me go to Miami. Mm-hmm. Let me go to New York, Atlanta, Chicago, L.A. Let me take that risk. I'm young. I got the ideas. Oh, family's not really that supportive at home? I'm going to use that emotion. I'm going to be supportive for the next person so they don't yeah. feel uh, the way I do. And that person, I'm going to feed off of that person's Ooh, energy. And when you surround yourself mm-hmm. around those type of people, you feed off of that energy. Mm-hmm. And it just helps you take take that next step in life. Yeah, I agree. And and so here's what I heard. How to not quit. <laughs> okay. Number one, accept <laughs> Be accepting of the sucking. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really good. Um, what I also heard you say over and over, Sean, that you have this attitude of gratitude. So be grateful. And you have the constant of like, okay, yeah, that sucks, but I got this. And so you're constantly, and I always coach people who go through depression and, and who are really suffering from depression. And, and like you said, when you struggle with something, now you're at a place of where you want to help people because I used to struggle with depression. And so, and the way I combated that or one of the ways is through gratitude and a gratitude practice and so that's what I feel like you're doing and then number three be selfish in a good way and going back to your why and really just sitting down with yourself and saying why did I want to do this in the first place any other advice of how to not quit um I think it's important to take a step every day even if it's something small Mm. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. every day we look for the master plan to evolve right in front of us. Ooh, that's true. And there is going to be days that maybe you just need to sit down, have a, have a cup of coffee. Yes. And Google things that maybe not even that may not have anything to do with the subject that you're working on. I don't have to get on Google and and search something about hair. Maybe I have to go back and just do some research on some old albums because I knew I used to like music a lot. And just get something that makes me feel good and inspire Mm -hmm. me. And through listening, through music sometimes, Mm. makes me think about my business again and recharges my mind to, to, to push towards that direction. So it's not every day get up and focus on your goal. But focus on the things that are important to you and things that are hobbies and likes. But do something each day. Yeah. Just do, do something. something. Each day. I love that because I, I heard this recently, and I think it was Rachel Hollis, and she was saying we need to fall more in love with the process. So I think the next step is to be in love with the process more than the goal, and just you know putting one foot in front of the other, and that's what I feel like you've done. And then uh, step five, I believe, is being inspired. So be inspired. So whatever that takes, it might be a mentor, it might be a book, a podcast, music, whatever it is for you to get you up in the morning and excited. I know I have to listen to worship music like that's my big thing that it really <laughs> inspires me you know and just quiet music where there's no words <laughs> too sometimes because I just need to just reflect and just time you know with myself to um to not quit because there are moments it's like man I just want to quit this and <laughs> I'm so frustrated mm-hmm. but I'm like wait no Tina you wanted to do this because of this reason so that is so powerful so what's next for you Sean and I know that you have this elements um, business that you have with um, mm-hmm. who is it John Mosley? John, well, it's actually with the, it's, it's a called mm-hmm. Team Popular Nobody, which okay. was founded by John Mosley. I love it. Um, so stay tuned to okay. our to our social medias because we're going to be giving away a free trip to one of our classes to our Vegas show. So uh, oh, all expense flight, um, hotel, and. Uh, a free class with us as well so wow how do they find you on uh, social media and also to sign up for the sean casey academy and your straight razor line too so that you have all of that is on uh www.theseancasey.com i spell sean s-e-a-n the correct way so www <laughs> <laughs> sorry sean chido right <laughs> <laughs> so S E A N K C C A S E Y dot com. So that's where you can yeah. get go to my store. You can actually okay. book classes with me, workshops okay. with me, you can even book a haircut with me. And then my social oh, media okay. is uh www.twincuts underscore C E O dot com and that's twin cuts with a Z. Yes, yeah, that's right, with a Z. Okay. 
I love it. This is powerful. Sean, I'm so grateful to finally do this. I've been wanting to do this for the longest time with you. And finally, we had a moment to be able to take this. What last piece of advice do you want to give everyone listening to this? Oh, man. It's funny when people always say that, Uh right? When they do that. So, um... Just follow through with you, with what you get started. I, I, I'm a true believer for mm. myself. I spread myself. I spread myself, but don't spread yourself thin. Okay. So I was able to spread myself because my, I'm, I can comfortably say I'm a barber. But if you ask me for my resume, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a shop owner. I'm an educator. I'm a salesman. I'm, mm-hmm. I do everything. So I'm able to be creative and do a lot, wear a lot of hats, but they all umbrella under my number one goal, my strengths. So be That's get good. out there. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Expand yourself as much as you can, but try to focus and keep it under the mm. same hat that, yes. that, you know, what you do. So... Say yes to the best, but follow through with whatever you start with. Yes. I love it. Yes. So it's powerful. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Tina, You're for amazing. Me. Thank you for being tough. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.